Hello, it's Lita here from Community Finance Ireland, and welcome to our podcast series. Changemakers are in every community, they're in every city, and they're down every rural road, right across the island of Ireland. This series meets with those amongst us who choose change. Their stories demonstrate what can be done when we work together. And here at Community Finance Ireland, we speak finance, but we hear people, and we really do hope you enjoy listening to them. So welcome all to the listeners um, from Community Finance Ireland and the volunteering groups across the island of Ireland. I'm here with Michael Lang, Secretary of the CNG Torakidi GA Club. And, and we're sitting here on a very cold uh, November evening overlooking Loch Mask. And I'm having a conversation with Michael about how he first fell in love with sport and how that has become part of his job here in the club. And Michael... Tell the visit the viewers and the listeners a little bit about this fantastic facility that we're sitting in here in Mayo. Yeah, so how, how I fell in love with sport, I think I had no choice in the matter. I think I, my mother tells me I walked my first steps in life on the pitch in Crossmolina in County Mayo. It was always, football was always part of, of, of my life growing up. My father played for Meads and for Scommon and for Sligo. And my mother didn't play much sport, but she met him in a badminton hall. I think she took up badminton to meet men, so... So the love that. affair started I, with sport. I think she talks about the, the day she met him and the glowing smile he had. But um, seriously speaking, I suppose the, the social aspect of, of sport and that ability to connect people together uh, was, I suppose, a vision we kind of had here in, the, in this club, that people would come here as, as, a, as, as a recreational facility. I mean, yes, some people are very serious about their sport. Some just come here mostly for fun, to, have, to meet their friends, to hook up, to, to have a bit of fun. So it's, it's a wonderful facility. We're, we're so, so pl- proud of it. Uh, it was opened in May of 17 officially. Uh, the sports floor was laid in late 17 and the activities on the, ma- on the sports floor in the main sports hall have been ongoing now since uh, it was early 18. So we won uh, Connacht Club of the Year 2017 in recognition of this facility. Um, it is perhaps the finest uh, club in, in, in County Mayo, um, which is quite something to say, given they were one of the smallest clubs. And I think some of that is the mm. significance that we were talking about earlier, about the location and what yeah. where it, here, it is here based in the village. So we have the primary school. Yes, we have the primary school, uh, it's secondary school, yeah. and we have the GA club all situated directly beside each other on, on the shores of Loch Mask uh, here in Trimacady, County Mayo. Um, and we're hooked right up against the, the Galway border with the Partry Mountains on one side and Loch Mask <laughs> on the other side. So in a sense, uh, that, that's our community. We're, we're bounded on all sides by, by, uh, by the landscape and by Galway on the other side. And it makes the community quite tight and quite uh, knitted together. Um, and one of the things we did actually along the way on this project, it was suggested by one of our club members to look at the club crest and say, do we want to adopt a club motto mm. and a number of suggestions were actually put forward um, and voted for um, and we went for a motto called Nyarth Lakela uh, which basically means everybody together the entire community working together um, the club also here in Termicady we, we go by the GAA one club model so you have the men's football teams you have the ladies football teams and you have the handballers all together under one banner so I suppose North Lakela means that all of the Gaelic Games associations work together. It also means that the entire community works together with the local schools, with the local community centre, 
uh, community council here in Trimacady and also in Partry, to achieve what it is we want to achieve uh, as a community. So the, the GA Club is very much part of the community mm-hmm. and has a very strong social conscience. Um, in fact, throughout the year we would very regularly uh, support other local organisations and engage in activities that would be not strictly Gaelic games at all, but would assist uh, with, I suppose, community... Um, and we saw some of that earlier yeah. when we were uh, we were really interested to see the local uh, German au pairs who were based here in the village yeah, uh, yeah, coming yeah. in to use the gym facilities. Is yeah. that common? Uh, well, I suppose we have quite a lot of, of visiting students here at the moment, so it's, it's quite something for them to come from, from Germany or other, other countries and, and come to Ireland and, and see a facility like this, which is... Uh, Maybe they may not have back at, back at home in, the, in, in their home village. And uh, Barry was saying earlier, one of your colleagues who was part of the, what I would call the three musketeers who were in terms <laughs> leading the front with terms of funding and the management of it, he spoke really earlier to us about this concept that the, the facility here was the replacement of what the pub used to be in the local community. Would that be yeah. a fair enough stretch? Well, I suppose some people come here to socialise. This this is what they do. Um, sport becomes their, their social outlet. Um, I, I wouldn't like to say we've taken away from the, the social life of the public houses yeah. um, because obviously the youth wouldn't have gone there in some way. But certainly the, the, the fact that within the community, um, in our community action plan of, of 2011 uh, to 2017, which was put together by Mayo Community Futures, the lack of a facility for the youth and the lack of a place for people to come was identified in that community action plan. Yeah, so, and underpinning so that would be the people's mental health and their physical uh, wellness here uh, up uh, in the Minmayo. Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and being able to promote better well-being of the community, uh, people being fitter, people being more active, yeah. people connecting to each other, people feeling attached to a club. Uh, people feeling there's a place there for them in whatever role that may be as an officer, as a player, as a supporter, as a bystander um, and involving themselves in, in some of the GAA Healthy Club projects. It may just be, for example, joining the walking group that walk around the, the pitch, getting involved in circuits, um, playing handball or Gaelic for mothers and others or over 35s Pella at a very recreational level. So it just gives everybody something to do at whatever level they want to be involved in. Um, and, and they all feel connected. That there's something here for them. And the mothers and others, this is an interesting term we mm. haven't heard before. Tell, us, tell the listeners a little bit about that. Okay, well this is set up um, by the Ladies Gaelic Football Association and this is our first year involved in it. So it's uh, specifically designed for women that are not involved in our major ladies team. Our ladies team got to the county final this year, so we've got a very, very strong ladies club. But for people that have finished playing um, and still want to remain connected, uh, the Gaelic for Mothers and Others is Gaelic football at a recreational level, played generally by women in their mid-30s onwards, mid-40s onwards, some of them a little bit older, but we won't reveal their ages. Uh, And they... Contests with clubs from Galway and Mayo and all over this year. There was a wonderful blitz here in the Connacht Centre of Excellence in Bacon where they competed against clubs from all over Connacht. Uh, they went up to Malahide and Port Marnock and contested in a national blitz up there as well. So there's a very strong social dimension to this. And it's all about fun, it's about participation, it's about feeling involved, 
It's about promoting, I suppose, activity. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good and you the are. The strength of it. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. matter how good you are or how not good you are because it's not about that. It's not about winning. It's about playing, about feeling part of a group and the friendship that's part and the camaraderie as part of that. And Michael, talk to us then a little bit about uh, the funding for the facilities that you built. I mean, we have an indoor activity, okay, a, volleyball uh, yeah. facility, we've got a gym, we've got an excellent GA pitch out there. We do, yeah, uh, we're sitting here with this coffee and cake ready, uh, everything that you might want, a vibrant activity, the doors permanently going, closing, it opening, is. there's voices coming up and down. Talk to us about what and what's the trigger point for funding, where do you go and how does that happen? I suppose... For us, we, we knew that we had reached a point with our facility that it was no longer large enough to meet the demands for what, for what we had. You, you could come here in, in the summer months. We had, we had a clubhouse that was constructed in 1984. Mm. At the time, it, it, was, it was very good. It was of its time. Um, but the club grew. Yeah. The club grew. And you could come here in the summer months and you could have a, a men's Gaelic football game outside. You could have a juvenile team training at the back. And a girls' team training up on the on the terrace uh, on the grassy terrace. Yeah. And what would be happening was the kids could be perhaps talking out in the kitchen area, perhaps in the toilets. Mm. The ladies' teams then where do they go? Sometimes they talked out in the bus or in, on the ladies' toilets. So it wasn't it wasn't good enough. And very often what was happening was the juvenile teams and even more so the ladies' teams. Yeah. Uh, found themselves being you know, talking out in, in rooms that weren't dressing rooms. Yeah, not fit for purpose anymore. And not fit anymore. for purpose, really. Okay. And, and um, so we, we knew we needed to do something about this. We needed mm. to have four dressing rooms as a, as a, as a, as a community. Um, and we also were aware of the lack of, of indoor sports facilities, that uh, throughout the winter, uh, when the weather was inclement, or even in summertime, if the weather wasn't so great... Which uh, is often. Which is often... Uh, that we were restricted in terms of what, what we could do. And particularly for, for young children, if you want to encourage them to play the game, it's not so easy to encourage them to play the game if you're dealing with inclement weather outside. So we knew we needed to have an indoor facility to allow us to continue our activities throughout the year, uh, all year long, regardless of weather. So the vision was, was a sports hall, um, a multi-purpose sports hall for use by the schools, by the uh, local community, by the GA club. Uh, and you had some indication as to the price of that, had you? Got, we did, I mean, yeah. Your, we we initially, yeah, yeah. We be. did, we did, and we set we set an initial target to maybe refurbish our dressing rooms and yeah. and to maybe stick up the shell of the of the sports hall and perhaps to finish it at, yeah. at a later point in time. So the project mm. was phased. Okay. And and um, there were there were there were objectives there, perhaps of surfacing the car park and building a second football pitch and so on. Mm. But the project was phased, and we, we set ourselves something like three hundred thousand euros, which was quite a an ambitious target, I think, yeah. for phase one. We knew we, we'd need a lot of voluntary labour for that, but we, we set that as, as our initial target. The project ended up being a multiple of that Okay. by the time that we actually got everything done. But it gathered steam and it gathered momentum. And as people rolled in behind it, we realised, well, actually, now let's do phase two and why not let's do phase three Yeah. while we have the momentum. Yeah, all really rising and together. Get, exactly, to get everything done. Uh, whether it you know, having to, to leave it and come back and yeah. to find the energy to kind of pick yourself up and go again. So we kind of said, look, let, let's push on for this. Let's just put the drive. Let's keep moving. And is this when you have approached Community Finance Ireland or when you went to look for funding? We went to Community Finance Ireland. I, as I said, we had that initial target of something like 300,000 for phase one. And we started with 
what, 5,000 euros in the bank. Yeah. In, in perhaps early 14. Yeah. And we had a target of 17. So we had three years to build this thing. Okay. Um, and, and we had 300 grand as, as, as a target. Okay. We knew at the opposite end of it, in 17, hosting the commercial spell in the Gwenstead, that we were going to make a substantial profit on that. Uh, so it's been like talking about a mini Olympic Games in the sense that you, you build the infrastructure, you host the national festival, you then have the infrastructure left after you as a, as a legacy. And every club that has done that before that, before us, Mike Cullen, Ardera, David Bond in, 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 in Cork, they've all benefited from uh, transformed clubs uh, that once the commotion is over, they end up with, with better facilities as a result of it. So it gave us that, that drive to have the infrastructure ready in, in time to host the, the, mm-hmm. the major festival yeah. in 17, knowing then that we would therefore have it after as a, as a legacy for the club. Even without Comortis Palin de Guelph, we needed this anyway. Okay. With that deadline, was so, so important because it focused the mind and it said, look, this has got to be done by May of 17. And did that yeah. focus, uh, did that deadline focus the mind to say, we need to get the finance in place and the repayment capacity is ready? Yes. We need to find a partner? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or did it say, we need to be more creative about what, how we go about funding this project and this ambition both okay. both both because we we had an idea ourselves what we could raise okay and we knew that the festival itself was going to raise a substantial amount of money we knew we ourselves had to come up with a very substantial amount mm-hmm. uh, in terms of local fundraising we were able to approach our diaspora yeah. uh, and get uh, a lot of backing from them but even with all of that and even with some very very substantial grant aid from the sports capital program and Brian Nguesta, we knew there was going to be a, a shortfall uh, that was going to have to be filled in by uh, a source of finance. Okay. Um, we approached our bank at the time, and it really was a no-no. The bank didn't know how to deal with us, because as a GAA club, we had the recommended trustee structure in place mm. of having the corporate trustee and three local uh, persons representing the club. Yeah. And the bank didn't know how to deal with that legal structure. Okay. In fact, they couldn't deal with us because we were neither an individual or a corporation. Or incorporated. And it was just a no-no, which was very disappointing because that yeah. structure had been advised to us by the so GAA. So you found yourself falling between two stools. We did, we did. So the, so the official banking partner of the GAA were, un, were unable to help us. Okay. And then we had to look for social finance. We turned to Community Finance Ireland and... Um, John Trainer came down and met us uh, yeah. in the old, uh, I, I perhaps call it the old, the old clubhouse that we had, yeah. the very modest clubhouse that we he saw. You saw what we had. And Donald he, is the Associate he, Director of Community yes, Finance Ireland. Okay. Yes, and he, he saw... Uh, and he's a keen uh, GAA sports. Uh, very keen, yeah, and a cavalry man. Yeah. And when you deal into a cavalry man, you won't get Yeah, no, you're not going to. We you won't, won't get money easy. That. But he was, he was, he was a... And he put us through the hoops, which is very yes. good. Okay. He put us through the hoops. So he, he, he scrutinised our feasibility plan. He scrutinised the figures. He looked really, really carefully at every uh, piece of information we put in front of him. If everything wasn't right, it wasn't going to happen. So this is why it's so important to have the legalities straightened out in terms of the trustees and the ownership of the site, which took quite some time to sort, because yeah. that was a, a bit of a mess up for yeah. many years. Uh, and then in terms of the actual business plan, that we had to put a bit of work into that, that it was a realistic business plan, um, that we could back it up with a 
proof, I suppose, of our track record to date in terms of where we're going. And Michael, that's an interesting one from um, mm. our listeners' perspective because the the team that you had, they come from a very, uh, their background is very orientated towards business and the sort of private sector and working in the in a profession outside yeah. of what they're doing on a voluntary or a it is, it is, a yes. part-time uh, yeah. basis. All, all of us would have those professional skills in terms yeah. of, of being involved in, in business or having a background in IT or in business or engineering. And that would have helped with your original business plan submission? It would have, yeah. Some were involved in education, but they would, they'd have been involved very much in the administrative side of, of that, so putting together strategies and plans yeah. and, and cash flows. So I guess for somebody else is, coming in looking mm-hmm. to try and do a project like this, first thing they might ask, uh, one thing you might say to them is be sure that the team has the right skill set for this type of submission. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And, and one thing that was said to us here within our own community was, first of all, how are you going to get the money to build this? Yeah. And then when you actually build it, how are you going to get the money to actually make sure that it's sustainable? Yeah. And that was also a question Donald put to us, that this would be a sustainable project. Well, in terms of sustainability, we put a lot of work uh, investing in energy-efficient technologies which actually perhaps put the build cost up that bit more. The spec of our cladding, for example, increased from what we originally intended it to mm. be, but it pays for itself back now. Okay, we're sitting here, it's a little cold right now, we haven't the heating on. Yeah. But um, the energy uh, cost... It's efficient. Of, of run, it's really, really efficient of, run, yeah. of running this facility. We had a football team here playing earlier on today. They asked us our hot water on a cold November day. There was there is. hot water because yeah. we have a very, very efficient air to water system outside okay. so putting the the investment into the energy efficiency was really, really important for the long-term running costs also what we did was we set up a club patron scheme called to okay. and practically every household in this community contributes to that where they contribute as a household 250 euros per annum or basically five euros per week by regular standing order okay and this enabled us to raise the funds to build the facility, and now it enables us to raise the funds to su- sustain the facility. So between our two major sources of income now as a club would be our club patron scheme yeah. and our weekly lotto. Those two major sources of income alone pay for this facility and, and also allow us to set aside money into a fund to... Uh, repaint it to upgrade it to yeah. fix, it, as it, fix goes. it exactly yeah. because in a facility of this side this side something's, something's going to go break yeah. it's going to be painted every few years and you need to be putting aside a reserve for that so you, your cash you need to plan for that and the, and the facility of course also generates income in, in its own right uh, but we have increased membership and people now see this tremendous facility they see the value for money that they're getting so selling the club patron scheme in this community is really... It's a no-brainer. Easy. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a no-brainer because they're yeah. all benefiting from exactly. it. And exactly. then finally, Michael, did you ever at any time think that the blended funded approach would be as successful as it has been for you? Um, we hoped it would be. It was... It was it, it, things came together. I, I, I think... I think people may have been looking out for us. You know, it I just seemed that every time along the way when something seemed to go wrong for the project, when we thought, oh, you know, tomorrow's going to be a, a milestone day and somebody was supposed to arrive and, and start the work and then they, they would arrive and then they wouldn't be able to start the work for mm. whatever reason. It could have been a yeah. delay. 
uh, every time that that happened for some unforeseen knockback or setback, it actually turned out afterwards that it was almost for the better. For that, that actually enabled yeah. us to, to do things in different ways. So it just felt like things just fell for us and every setback turned out to have a silver lining. Um, the funding came at the right time. The community finance money came right through at the right moment in time. When we needed the top up, when we were just, at the, you know, our cash flows were running really low, it came through at the right time. We just had tremendous fortune on this project. And as I say, every misfortune became a fortune. So it, it worked really, really well. It was, working with Community Finance Ireland was, was a fantastic experience. And okay. several clubs have since come here and asked us about the experience and asked us who back to and who are Community Finance Ireland. Yeah. And we're only too happy to say it was a wonderful experience and it could not have been achieved otherwise. And the faith they put in us and the fact that we, and I was a trustee at the club, as is David Lally, our club treasurer, the fact that we as trustees of the club did not have to give personal guarantees was also a huge thing for us uh, that said, look, this is the, this is the, this, this is the organisation to do business with. And then, Michael, finally, I mean, it is, it's been such an enlightening experience to come here and see what you guys have been able to do up here. Are we going to talk about legacy? Is your dad going to be asking from above about your legacy? Um, yeah, look, I think, I think we're, all, we're all driven by the people who, who did great things for us. And, and, and my father was tremendous to me, what he gave to me, the gift he gave to me in terms of the gift of sport and everything he did for me. I, I just hope I can give to my children a small percentage of what he gave to me. If I can do that, I think I'll, I'll have been a success. All of us, I think, that were involved in the project did it because we're mo- motivated by what we have received ourselves, what we want to give back to our community and, and to our kids. So... We're all a bit too young to talk about legacy because yeah. we're all More too young to do that. yet. There's but, another, but, you might take another GA club exactly, in but another we, community. But uh, all of us that were involved in the committee are now ourselves using it. Yeah. And I remember one particular evening being here and looking around. Was, I forget what the activity was. And I looked around and every single one of us were now together here in the room. I think it was circuit training or something. And look, isn't this wonderful? Here yeah. we are, we work so hard to achieve this together. And you're now actually using it using yourselves. It together. Yeah. So um, it's, it's, it is a legacy. And, and, and it's a, the quality of the building is, is, is phenomenal. It goes down to our, our, our gifted treasurer and an engineer, David Lally. It's going to be something that's going to be here for many, many years. And he built it in the most robust of ways with a very high spec. We're going to enjoy it. And, and we hope that our children will respect it because... Perhaps they grew up when it's always there for them and, and they didn't have to work so hard to, uh, to build it yeah. and perhaps don't realise that. Uh, so what's important is that the next generation uh, realise what they were given and that they continue to give back, to use it and to give back and to respect the building and whatever the next future project it is that we may take on, that they also give back. Well, Michael, it's been fascinating to be up here and to spend the day with you. We want to say thank you so much for giving us an insight into what happens when communities pull together and what happens when we take risks and we find the right people to be behind us. Uh, We might go off now for a little kick of the ball onto the pitch (laughs) if the floodlights will come on. But otherwise, on behalf of Community Finance Ireland and all the volunteering community who are listening in and all the sports fans and the mothers and the sons and the daughters who are looking for something to do on a Friday night. We want to say thank you and we wish you continued success. Thank you very much. 
From our team at Community Finance Ireland, thank you to those volunteers and leaders who spent time sharing their success and determination. We hope you found some useful insights while listening here. Their stories demonstrate that dreamers are always welcome in our communities. You may be a dreamer today, but you too could be the change maker of the future. Be sure to subscribe to this series and tune in to hear our next story coming soon.